So please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Um, it is right there after the book of Psalms. If you're following along in the in the Pew Bible there, we are uh, are on page 985. Um, and we will be considering Proverbs chapter one, beginning in verse eight through 19. Just a reminder from a couple weeks ago, we began to look at um, the book of Proverbs and we're going to look at the wisdom that is taught in Proverbs. We're still in the introductory part of the book. Um, the introductory part of the book actually in last until the end of chapter nine. And while Solomon lays out the benefits of wisdom and the rewards of pursuing wisdom over folly, we will begin to look at some of those things today as we consider not only listening to our parents, but a matter of life and death. So read with me now from Proverbs chapter one, beginning in verse eight. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. There will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let us lie and wait for someone's blood. Let us waylay some harmless soul. Let us swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Let us pray. Our God and Father, as we turn toward this wisdom passage, we do ask that you give us wisdom to understand and wisdom to apply. Provide your Holy Spirit to us so that we might hear the words of truth that you have for us in this passage and so that our lives might be changed as the Spirit applies these words of truth. And I pray for myself that you give me the words to speak, to honor you first and foremost, but the words to be used by you so that your people might hear your glory and your truth. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as we begin, I do want us to remember what wisdom is as we're beginning this study of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is not merely an accumulation of facts, an accumulation of knowledge. It's not merely being able to regurgitate those facts and that knowledge on a test to get a grade, a passing grade. But wisdom is the right or righteous application of discipline and teaching. Wisdom is being able to take the knowledge that we have been given. Today, we're going to learn about the knowledge from our parents. But the knowledge that we've been given by God and apply it rightly in our life to move and to walk and to live in a way that honors glorify honors and glorifies God and he sees as righteous we'll see to see in today's passage that the son is called to follow the discipline and teaching of his parents and he is called to do this by making a choice the choice between wisdom and what will be called later in the book of proverbs folly. 
If wisdom is the righteous application of discipline and teaching, folly is turning our backs on the discipline and the teaching that we have seen and received. And so while the word folly is not explicitly used in our passage today, we will see the contrast between wisdom and folly as we look at two calls, two enticements, and two rewards. Firstly, two calls. The calls that are contrasted here are the calls by the father and the calls by the gang. Firstly, the call to my to the father. The father gives his call to the son in several different places in the first verse here in verse eight in verse 15 as well. And the call from the father to the son is to listen or to hear. He is to listen in such a way that applies the instruction and the teaching that he has received from his father and his mother. It's interesting here as we consider the father and mother, if we look at other uh, similar documents from the same time period in history, other wisdom documents from cultures such as Egypt or Babylon or the Hittite culture from from the same time period, the mothers are left out in that particular in those particular documents. It is it is good to see here that God looks to fathers and mothers within the family to equally take on the task of raising up children, of teaching them wisdom in the household. It is not merely the father's responsibility, although he is called to take the lead in the house, but it is the father's and the mother's responsibility. And what do they do for the children? Well, they provide for them what is said here in this translation, instruction and teaching. The instruction is the same word that we have from verse two above, which is discipline. It's that corrective teaching that parents are to use in order to take their children off the wrong path and show them the correct path. It involves verbal rebuke. It does involve the use of the rod at times. But it is it is more than just words that are spoken. It is a practice of discipline within the home that shapes the child to choose their path of wisdom. And they are also given by the parents, they are given teaching, which the word here teaching is the word that we see in other places within the Old Testament and is translated as law. The entire first five books of the Bible are considered law for the Israelites. And yet law may be a little bit too narrow a term because the word translated law as it is here is translated teaching. It is a set of what we would consider today instructions for living life. We have instruction in the law uh, summarized in the Ten Commandments, but we also have instruction in the historical books as we see people either succeed or fail in applying the law to their life and the results, either the rewards or the discipline of God that they get for either keeping or failing to keep the teachings, the instructions of God. And the first exhortation that we have from the father is to listen to this instruction and listen to the teaching. 
Now, listening here is another word that we kind of lose the sense of in our English translation. It's it's not merely allowing the the vibrations in the air as as somebody speaks and the air passes over the vocal cords and the air vibrates and it hits your eardrum and the signal is transferred to your brain through that ear nerve, whatever it's called. And it is not just hearing what our parents say. Sometimes it feels parents, does it not? That all our kids are doing is really not even hearing what we say. But it's more than just hearing. It's taking those words and applying them. It's the same word we had from Deuteronomy 6 that we read earlier, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He is God alone. And what are we supposed to do when we hear that? We're supposed to love him. We're supposed to respond. We're supposed to act on the words that we hear. So when the father calls his son to listen, to hear the discipline and teaching of his parents, he is calling the son, the child, to put into practice what his parents have taught him. The second part of the exhortation that the father gives is to not go along with the gang as the gang calls them to folly, to not set his foot on the paths because those paths lead to a difficult end, which we will look at here in a little bit later. Well, before we move on to the second call, which is the call of the gang, I do want us to consider three things regarding the father's call. Firstly, Solomon here assumes that the parents have done the work commanded in Deuteronomy 6. Parents, while there is no explicit command to us in this passage, it is assumed that we are answering the command that God gives us in other places in Scripture. Parents, we are called to teach our children to discipline them in order to develop in them a love for God and a love for his wisdom. I have to ask myself and other parents, we have to ask ourselves as well, are we doing the work? That God calls us to so that our children will grow up in wisdom. And it's a work that does not end when our children turn 18 or graduate from college or high school or move out of the house. There are teachings that we can still give until we no longer have the breath to teach. The other thing that we need to see about the father's call is that and I've highlighted this already is that this is a joint effort between the father and the mother. It's not just the father's job. It's not just the mother's job, but it is a joint effort between the two. Are we as parents working together to teach our children the wisdom of God? Sometimes we work against ourselves. Sometimes our children try to pit each other one against the other. But the call upon us is to be unified in the teaching of our children as we seek to teach them wisdom, whether they're getting up or lying down, whether they're going out in the mornings or coming back in, whether they're sitting down to eat or getting up from the table, we are to be there teaching them together. However, we choose to educate our children. We must be supplementing that education to instill virtue and wisdom in our children so they will see the need and importance of loving God with all that they are. And the third thing is for the children in the room. The fifth commandment tells you to honor your father and your mother. 
And that is a call upon you, not only from the father in Proverbs, but from God to listen to and apply the teachings, the discipline of your parents. Solomon is doing nothing more here than calling children to respect, to honor their father and their mother and the teaching that they have been given. So if the father's call is to wisdom, is to listen to the teaching of the parents, folly's call is to destruction. The father here, after he gives the call to listen and before he gives a warning to not follow the paths of the gang, he gives a scenario and he speaks in hyperbole here. But the scenario is this. The gang will come to the son and offer him the choice of folly, which is to lie and wait for somebody's blood to waylay the harmless soul, to swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. Now, nobody in their right mind would come up to a child and say, hey, let's go murder somebody. Because the child would probably not respond, hopefully not respond in a positive way to that particular call. But all sin is destructive. All following folly is the destruction of another person. Whether I follow my anger and call names, whether I follow my sexual lust and seek to objectify another person, whatever it is that folly presents before me in contrast to the wisdom will ultimately destroy the person that I am sinning against. In in his essay, The Inner Circle, C.S. Lewis talks about the fact that in most human organizations in most groups, there is that inner circle of people who seem to run things, who seem to be the more important. Think even of Jesus' disciples. You had 120 or more people that followed Jesus, but there were 12 that he called specifically his disciples, his apostles. But then there were Peter, James, and John, who were that inner circle even within the inner circle. And as humans, what Lewis says is oftentimes we seek to do whatever we can to be a part of that inner circle. And oftentimes how we seek to be part of that inner circle is seeking the destruction of those who are already there so that we can have a place to move into so that we can be there. The father calls us to wisdom while folly calls us to destruction, the destruction of other people. So we see the two calls here, the father's call to wisdom and folly's call to destruction. But there's not just two calls. There's two enticements as well. We are enticed to either wisdom or we are enticed towards folly. If we're enticed towards folly, we typically call that temptation. An enticement is something that is offered to make us choose one option over the other. Do you ever watch fast food restaurant commercials on television? Man, they do everything they can to make that hamburger look like the best thing in the world. And absolutely nothing like what you unwrap when you actually get there and choose one over the other. We are enticed either to wisdom or to folly. Wisdom entices us, the father says, through a crown and a necklace. It says in verse 9, The instruction of our father, the teaching of our mother will be a garland to grace your head, a woven crown given to the winner of an athletic competition to show victory 
and excuse me, to show victory and honor for winning. And then finally, a necklace, a chain to adorn your neck, which once again, in the ancient Near East, the combination of the crown, the combination of the necklace around your neck were given to bestow honor, to bestow glory upon the ones who would receive them. Wisdom, a wise life is its own reward. And it's hard for us to see that because it takes time, does it not? It is not instant gratification to follow the the discipline and instructions of our parents. It is not instant gratification to follow wisdom, but it is its own reward. Think about somebody in your life that you gave great honor to. Why did you give them great honor? Was it because they lived a wise life? I, I think specifically outside of my family, I think of two men. Ray Robbins or Robbie Robbins and Ray Snyder. They were men that not only my family, but families within the church that I grew up on bestowed great honor upon because they lived wise lives. They lived lives that sought to honor the teaching and the discipline that they received. They sought to live lives that applied the truths of God, brothers and sisters, nowhere near perfectly. Both Mr. Snyder and Mr. Robbins would be the first ones to tell you that they were not perfect. But they sought to live out the teaching that they received. And because of that, they were invested with great honor by people who knew them and by people who they helped. But wisdom and honor, wisdom, living a wise life not only brings outward respect and honor, but it brings self-respect as well, knowing that we have done the work to apply wisdom To our lives. If we pursue a wise life. We will truly be able to look at ourselves in the mirror. And like what we see. Be able to look at ourselves in the eye. And say. I'm doing well. But folly also promises a reward. Folly also seeks to entice us. After the, the words of destruction in verse 11 and 12, we hear these words. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. Folly tempts us with power, with wealth and with camaraderie. Folly tempts us with the power over life as the temptation is to come and destroy people. Folly tempts us with wealth that says, hey, look at all these things that we will get from the people that we would destroy, whether it's financial wealth, whether it's the wealth of false honor, whether it's the wealth, wealth of power over other people, destructive power over other people. Folly promises us wealth and it follow, and it promises us the camaraderie of the honor among thieves, which we know is fickle. And fleeting. And the problem with the temptations, the enticement of folly is it is instant gratification. Brothers and sisters, sin can be fun. It can feel fun. It can feel like it meets us where we want and where we desire. It fills what we think is our need and it does it right now. We don't need to do the lifelong work of 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 pursuing wisdom and honor through that, I can steal it right now. But folly 
not only has its enticements. We've seen the two calls. We've seen the two enticements. But there's also two rewards. Folly not only gives us enticements, but the reward of folly is destruction upon ourselves. Read the verses with me. Beginning in verse 16. For their feet rush to sin, they are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Verse 18 there is almost word for word for verse 11. Let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Verse 11, verse 18 says they lie in wait for their own blood. Verse 11 says, let's waylay some harmless soul. Verse 18 says they waylay only themselves. Yes, there may be short term power. There may be short term wealth. There may be short term camaraderie. But folly, brothers and sisters, only leads to destruction and destruction of yourself. Solomon portrays these people here as somewhat dumber than birds, where it talks about the bird and the net. It's a difficult uh, language and could really go either way. But the picture here is of a bird who sees the man with the net walking up to him. And instead of flying away, flies into the net, whether because the bait in the net is something that looks just too good to pass up. Or whether they're just not smart enough to understand that that is destruction waiting for them inside that net. That's what folly does to people. It makes us blind to the consequences, to the destruction of the sin that we so easily walk into. But wisdom leads to life. The reward of wisdom is life. In the ancient Near East, They would bury their dead with garlands and necklaces in hopes that the gods would give them life in the great beyond. Now, Solomon isn't giving credence here to the pagan death rituals and beliefs, but he's using imagery that the Israelites would have understood and seen as wisdom pointing toward life. Wisdom pointing toward not our own destruction, but our own preservation Now, this is for us a place to remember that the book of Proverbs is descriptive rather than prescriptive. Job's friends took these two rewards and beat Job over the head with it. If you were righteous, there would be life in your life. But you must be unrighteous because of all the destruction that you have suffered. In Psalm 10, the psalmist calls on God to judge the wicked and lift up the wise, but realizes that God will do that in his own timing. We must understand, brothers and sisters, that the wicked will be judged and we have the hope of that judgment when Jesus returns. So it may not always work out the way it says, or it may not always seem like it works out the way it says. But we must also realize that left to our own devices. We would choose and be more in tune with the paths of folly rather than the paths of wisdom. Left to our own devices, we would hear and heed the call of the game to destruction, to the attempted destruction of others, but to the real destruction of ourselves. But thanks be to God in Isaiah 10, God promises through the prophet that he will send a teacher that would offer perfect discipline and perfect teaching. 
And in Isaiah 53, we are told that the discipline that should have fallen upon us would fall upon him. And that he would take the punishment for our folly. So that we could have the rewards of life for his wisdom. And we know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the teacher who did both. Who lived the wise life and took the punishment for folly upon himself. We have the call of father to wisdom, the call of the gang toward folly. We have the enticement of honor that wisdom gives us and the temptation of destruction, of wealth, of camaraderie and power that folly gives us. We have the ultimate reward of folly, which is destruction and the ultimate reward of wisdom, which is life. Which call will you heed? Will you follow the gang into folly or will you follow the father and the mother through God into discipline, wisdom and life? Let us pray. Our God, we do thank you for Solomon's words. We thank you that he compiled them for us. We thank you for the teacher who lived the wise life and took the punishment for our folly. As we have been set apart by the Holy Spirit for the wise life, give us the strength to walk in wisdom. To remember the discipline and instruction that we have received, whether it's from biological parents, people in the church who have invested our lives, or through the study of the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to walk well in the discipline that you have given to us, in the teachings that you have given to us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.